Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Lyrically, I'm untouchable, untouchable. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Punch the Face Radio. I'm your host, Brandon Stubbs. I appreciate you joining me here tonight. Uh, big fight weekend here with Anthony Joshua making his U.S. debut. So, you know, with it being a big fight weekend and kind of important boxing, I am joined here by the one and only Adam Abramowitz of Saturday Night Boxing, the incomparable Adam Abramowitz. What's going on, Adam? I'm uh, doing all right. Happy to be back. Uh, lots of fun uh, tornadoes and other things in the local area. So uh, should be fun. Hopefully we'll get through this tonight. Absolutely. We experience it here in the Midwest. But very excited to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we got a lot of topics we're going to get, talk about here tonight, but we're going to actually start with last week's action. Uh, to kind of recap that, uh, we got a new player now at 130, and that being Jamil Herring after his, uh, I, I don't want to say dominating win over Ito, but I would say convincing win. Uh, maybe that's a better yeah. word of describing it. Very convincing win. And you know, with this win and his, you know, military background and it being Memorial Day weekend, he's gotten thrust into mainstream now. So uh, good for him. You know, shout out to him for that. But, you know, overall, what did you think of his performance here this past Saturday against Ito? And we'll just kind of take it from there of what maybe be the next steps for him. Well, shout out to um, a couple things. First of all, I've interacted with uh, with Jamel a lot over the years on Twitter. I talked to him last night. Uh Send him a couple messages, just congratulating him. And um, you know, he's a good guy, um, easy to root for. Um, you have to understand, and he deserves major credit for this. You know, he lost two of three fights. He had gotten knocked out by Shafikov. He lost to Ladarius Miller. He was at that point in time thirty years old. Uh, you know, not not a whole lot was going right with his career. It looks like he hit a plateau. So what did he do? Um, he decided to sign with top rank. He left Ohio. He went to Nebraska. He hooked up with Brian McIntyre, Terrence Crawford's trainer. He moved down to junior lightweight. I mean, he bet on himself and took a lot of risks. And um, it's really great to see it pay off. I mean, a lot of fighters don't bet on themselves the same way. It would be so easy to stay in that gym in Cincinnati where he was at, where, you know, the Broners of the world and, and Rashid Warren's, and I'm not ripping on them as fighters. I mean, that's where he was. And he said, I needed something more. I needed something different. And I think you described it correctly. I think the win was convincing. I thought he boxed very well. I think he had a, a great grasp of McIntyre's game plan, which was, you know, move, you know, hit and move, get your work done, 
don't fire and exchange, get your work done on the outside. But I think, and I, I had it 117-111, which was 9-3, to three, and, and that's a really good win. But there also was a sense that, you know, he did take a few big right hands early in the fight, and nobody's saying don't ever get hit. But it just, I had a sense where if Ito landed a few more of those, I don't know how well Herring would have taken them. So credit to him for boxing the right fight, for um, following the game plan, for having the defensive technique and the craft to avoid getting hit with a lot of big shots. Uh, and it's a, it's, I know that it is a career capper for him. It's one of those scenarios where he will always be a world champion. Uh, there are other interesting fights we made at 130, and he was clearly the better man on that night. So credit to him. Absolutely, and couldn't agree with you more there. It, it was definitely one of those things you could tell he had Ito frustrated, a lot of clinching, a lot of holding, uh, you know, from Ito to try to stop the movement, from stopping Heron from being able to move around. Uh, he really didn't have a a plan B in ring, and you could kind of see that. He was just getting frustrated, oh, definitely. which happens to fighters. I mean, we see that from time to time, but he couldn't adapt, and we see that in ring with fighters when – they don't have a game plan, and their corner doesn't have a, a backup game plan for them. Uh, this was one of those instances where you clearly saw it. Now, I had it um, uh, eight rounds to four. I could see the nine to three as well. Um, you know, like I said, convincing win. He did his thing there. But, you know, post-fight, not only did they break the ring, so shout-out to all of his family and the whole um, Team Crawford camp getting in the ring and literally breaking the ring, if you haven't seen that photo. But... Uh, Miguel Burchett got in ring, and now we're talking possibly a unification bout between these two. Now, I, I think, honestly, Miguel is the number one guy at 130. I think he has proven that with his work and him actually being active. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, Javante Davis. Um, he's actually being an active fighter, being an active champion. Uh, you know, is this a fight that really makes sense for top rank to do next? Do you know, do you give Herring maybe a, a, a lob and give him a title defense? first before you go into unification bout? I mean, do you want to see the unification bout right off the bat next? Um, honestly, I wouldn't mind if Herring took another fight first. Um, you have to remember that, you know, he's still only been with McIntyre three fights. There's still work to be done. Um, it's not that Saturday's was a particularly tough fight, but I'd like to see what this combination can do for another fight before we get to that big fight. Uh, obviously, if they made it next, I would be okay with it. But, you know, I, it seems like they have a good thing working. I love the aspects of Herring's boxing that McIntyre has kind of brought out. Um, you know, the smart movement, the controlling the ring with the jab, just being very cerebral. I'd be very interested to see, uh, you know, how that pairing goes with another fight or two. Um, how about yourself? Do you want it, Does it go next or... What do you think about it? I'd like to see them on the same card, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that would be maybe the best bet. You know, have them on the same card. Uh, have them be co, you know, you know, two maybe two co-main events, uh, or, or have them maybe in consecutive weeks or something to that degree. Have them yeah. to where they're if they're not on the same card, they're at least you know a week or two apart uh, between fighting. They both you know maybe face a mandatory, and then boom, you know we have a unification bout maybe later this year, top of next year. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But I'm, I'm kind of like you. I mean, they've really grown, meaning, you know, Team Crawford and Bo Mack working with Herring, and they're gelling and they're getting better. You're seeing 
different things each time out. You're seeing improvement. You're not seeing any slippage each time out, and I, I think that's a good thing. Uh, you know, the one thing I, I would say, you don't maybe want to um, hesitate too long on maybe getting the bigger fights and the bigger paydays. Keep in mind, you know, he did get a late start since he was in the armed forces, also an Olympian, so he's 33. So, you, you know, always keep that in mind when it comes to fighters. You know, don't wait too sure. long. Uh, but, sure. you know, if we're looking at a fight in between the unification, I'm good. I'm down with it. Uh, as long as we get it, and I think that's something we will get, I think top rank, if they have them in-house, they're willing to kind of have the the best fight the best because in some cases they don't have many choices. So I, I think this is something we'll see sooner than later. But I think a, a fight in between for both I'm okay with. Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I, I honestly at this point in time, at right now, I would favor Burchelt in that matchup, but you know things could change. You know if this if this fight happens in another nine months or twelve months from now, and you know Burchelt's been can be hit. I mean, you know things can change. I like Burchelt. I I love his power. Um, you know and the way he uses uh, his skills. Um, he he certainly has more um, aspects to his game than Ito in terms of more weapons. Uh, I like Burchell. I like Herring too a lot. I, as I said, it's a good fight because stylistically, they're really tough matchups. You know, Herring, you know, probably doesn't want to be facing a huge puncher, um, especially being knocked out earlier in his career. And it looks like Beltran likes the guys who come right at him. You know, he, he likes those wars. He has that background. He's defeated that Mexican style of people that come right at him or even, um, a guy like Miori, the Japanese fighter who came right at him. Um, uh, so I think he likes that style. Uh, I don't think he wants to deal with a, a slick boxer mover. So that's going to be a really interesting style matchup because the two of them uh, may, may make for a great fight, but it's one of those interesting style matchups. You know, it, it, you know, it's uh, nobody is going to want to pick that style if they had their choice. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Definitely a, a interesting fight to look forward to. And again, we got now more blood, new blood here at 130, and we, we always need that. We always welcome that uh, to the top levels of each division. Now, that card they had down in Florida, you know, for anyone who didn't watch the undercard, especially the prelims, uh, we had – it was a total of 11 fights on the card. Eight of those fights ended up in a knockout. Um a very just if you like knockouts, which all of us boxing fans, we, we love it to an extent. A fantastic card to watch. A lot of the young talent um, you got to see on display. Some were maybe mismatches, but uh, phenomenal knockouts. So shout out to Jose Pedraza, who also picked up a win on the undercard. Uh, we did have an us, upset in, um, to, who was that? Uh, Antonio Vargas lost, right. uh, which was a big upset. Um, you know, on the undercard, and he actually got knocked out uh, in the first round. So, um, again, great card, a lot of a lot of good action, a lot of um, interesting fighters now to kind of keep your eye on. They had a lot of uh, Latin talent on that card, which I thought was very well played by top ranking yeah. the matchmakers there. Putting those guys on there, being in Florida, makes sense. Again, maybe this can be another home base for them to start putting more cards on uh, and start getting more uh, local talent and getting them emerged so they can get deals with top rank. Yeah, one of the um... – it's, it's crazy because I was kind of like following the card through Twitter and I wound up seeing a lot of the card because there were so many impressive knockouts. The top rank seemingly every five minutes kept posting another ridiculous knockout. I mean, yeah, every five yeah. minutes somebody was getting, you know, you know, their soul snatched. And, uh, 
I think one of the guys, Diaz, is from Florida that uh, is, I think, a 4-0 fighter that, that top ranks very high on. And uh, Berlanga, I think, fought. They're very high on him. Uh, there is some, like, like that's that, that, you know, let's call it two steps below. You know, they have right now, too, Fimo Lopez and Shakur Stevenson is that next wave that's about to come up, you know, to that world level. So they have a bunch of these other guys. You know, Adorno is another guy that they're – that second wave, you know, underneath that, the, these people that are right on the precipice, they do have a bunch of people even underneath that coming. And, you know, uh, not all of these guys are going to pan out. Uh, you can watch any given show sometimes and, you know, you, you have an impressive knockout or two and, you know, people start buying into it. And then suddenly the competition gets different and, uh, uh, you know, so be it. But um, Felix Verdejo, yeah, for example. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Of course, and you know some of these guys get found out, and some don't. Um, some some rise, but you know top rank, and it's not the only company that does it. But I think they've they've had gaps along, but I think right now they're, and you see some of those waves of talent that you know will be coming along in a couple of years, and uh, it's always exciting to see that, and uh, you always like to see fresh young talent, and not just from the same places, you know, not just from New York and and LA and you like to see it from Florida. You like to see it from Pennsylvania. You like to see it from, you know, these other areas across the country. There are, there are good fighters everywhere. Um, speaking of young talent, this is a perfect segue. Devin Haney had a clear KO of the year candidate against Antonio Moran on the zone headlining this card. Originally it was supposed to be Usyk versus to Once upon a time, Usyk has an arm injury needs to pull out. Um, I don't know how much you saw of this fight. I saw it was going on the same time as I think the Pedraza fight. So I think I was, or, or maybe one of the Fox fights, but, but anyhow, um, Haney looked wonderful and he threw, he, he ended the fight with this overhand looping right hand that I know Antonio Moran had not seen at all prior to the fight. And one of the things I love about great fighters, I'm not saying Haney's there yet, but one of the things that I love about great fighters is that as the fight progresses, they keep showing more and more in their arsenal. You know, so you think, okay, I got to worry about the jab and the right hand and the left hook. And then suddenly in the seventh round, he throws and ends a guy with a punch he has not seen yet. And I think that's fantastic. Not just that he has it in his arsenal, but he knew when to throw it and he knew how to land it. And so, uh, you know, it was such an impressive performance all the way around his countering with the right hands and the right uppercuts and the left hooks. Um, he actually was fighting really well off the ropes, which so few fighters can actually do. I mean, honestly, it's probably like 10%. Um, I, I thought to me, it was a great performance and I'm really, really excited about him. And I'm not somebody who gets excited about young fighters. I am legitimately excited for Devin Haney. Yeah, I, I think his time, he's got to start fighting some live bodies. He's got to start fighting some guys, um, you know, top 10 rated, top 15 rated. Uh, he, he's got to start facing that kind of competition. I know there's now a a push via social media for, well, really, I don't even say social media. There's a push from Ryan Garcia to have him face Devin Haney. And, and <clears throat> Garcia at this yeah. point. Uh, I know he's working with uh, the Renosos and, uh, you know, he's got the cosign of Canelo, yeah. but I, I think right now Haney is several levels above 
Ryan Garcia. Not to say Garcia may not still pan out to be something solid down right. the road, but I, I think there's levels to it now. Uh, but, but like you said, though, Haney is sh- kind of showing those some things each time out again. A young fighter, and I think we got to kind of put this in scope. The guy's only yeah. 20. Yeah, he's only 20. He's, he's only going to get better. He's only going to learn. He's only going to comp- uh, comp- um, you know, progress further on. So I, I think we're not even really scratching the surface on how good he can be if he stays focused on the sport and right. kind of keeps his head clear. I mean, as long as he does that, I think he can he could potentially be very special down the road. Five years from now, we could be saying he's the best fighter in the world pound for pound, you know, five years from now. I'm not saying maybe two I, or three years, but five I, years from now, I could definitely see but it. But, I, I, I mean, it sounds ridiculous to say, but he has that broad skill set. So we're not mm-hmm. saying he is going to be. We're saying that it's not inconceivable. I saw yes. some things. He did this. He did this like upper body. Um, he was like moving out of the way of some shots from Moran, who was like Moran was like capable but not really good. You know what I mean? Like he he tried hard. Like he he's had some decent wins, but he's not he's not an A guy. He's really not like a B plus guy. He's like a B minus C plus player. So so be it. But <clears throat> Haney like does this where he evades shots with his upper body and moves at the same time. And then is also countering with a right hand. I mean, I swear to God, these were Mayweather moves. You know, these were, you know, where it's like you're evading shots and you're still hitting guys, but they can't hit you. I mean, and, 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 you know, it was, it was for me really exciting because it's, it's not enough. Yes. A lot of people have sparred with good fighters, but, and Haney sparred with everybody. But you watch him, and you realize that he's learned from these guys. It's not just that he's mm-hmm. been in the ring from them, that he literally is learning from these guys. And I'm not saying he's Mayweather and blah, 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 but I don't think he is. I, I think they're – to be honest, this is going to sound silly. When Mayweather was 20 years old, he was a far more aggressive fighter than Haney is now. I mean, Mayweather was uh, – I wouldn't say he was a knockout artist, but if you look at his early record, his knockout percentage is pretty damn high. Uh, he went after fighters at 130. Um, you know, Haney isn't, I don't think, has it fights differently. He's not a knockout guy, even though he got a great knockout. Like, that's just from fantastic punch placement, intelligence, fainting. You know, he, all of those great veteran moves. So, he, you know, somebody asked me today, they said, well, Haney's not even the best prospect in the division, meaning Teofimo Lopez is. And I said, listen, those two are probably the best lightweight prospects in the world. Uh, if you want to rate 1A, 1A and the other 1B, if you want to rate 1-1, one, 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 the other two, so be it. You know, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's better. All I know is those two are among the best. And so mm-hmm. this guy thinks he was giving an insult. I said, okay, fine. You know, if Haney's the second best lightweight prospect in the world, that's pretty fucking good. You know, and, yeah. and, and so it doesn't matter. I don't care. They're both fantastic. Like, I love Teofimo Lopez. I love Haney. They're great for the sport. They're exciting. They have that pound for pound potential. And that's what we want. You know, fighters we can get excited about and that are going to carry the sport forward into the next generation. And so we have a few of those guys now. And it's, and it's great to watch. And we, all we could do is hope they continue to develop, hope they stay on a good path and, you know, root for their success. And uh, it's very exciting times. I, I, it really is. 
I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we, we've got a lot of that next group of spiders that are coming up that are going to be champions here in the next year or so, and they're going to be the, the torchbearers for the sport. And, again, we should champion them and not, not uh, torture them, especially those who are staying out of trouble. So, you know, mm-hmm. shout out to Devin Haney with one of the better KOs of the year. I mean, it's up yeah. there. I, I don't know if it can get called a KO of the year yet. Right. But uh, it's definitely yeah. it's in, it's in, it's in the, definitely in the, the mentions there now. Uh, also on the card, like you said, it was kind of a thrown together card here. I wouldn't say thrown together, but maybe a scrapped card uh, here on Saturday there uh, from the uh, National Grand Harbor. We had Michael Hunter, um, you know, heavyweight now. This is what his third or fourth fight now at heavyweight. He fought a, a former MMA fighter, Fabiano Maldonado. Um, you know, this guy had an undefeated boxing record, but it was all down in uh, Brazil. So his, you know, his record was something definitely inflated, and so was his his uh, belly. I think, <laughs> so my I think he had lost. Pretty much I think, he, I think he had lost once once or twice before. But your point's taken. Um, you know, Michael Hunter is a fun fighter, isn't he? Uh, he's not he's not one of the biggest hitters at heavyweight. I think he's now up to five and zero in the division. Um, I saw his fight against Usyk live where he gave Usyk a lot of trouble earlier in that fight before Usyk eventually overwhelmed him. What Michael Hunter does, and, and again, he's probably going to compete somewhere between 210 and 220 pounds, is he, his punch placement is excellent. He has the whole arsenal of punches. Um, he's really crafty. Like he, he knows the whole sport. He knows how to fight inside. He knows how to fight outside. Um, Again, he's only lost to Usyk, which is no shame. You know, losing to Usyk does not make you a failure. Um, so he's going to be outweighed by some of the big heavyweights. But he's a really clever guy, and he's a smart fighter. And I think the next opponent is going to be a top 10 guy in the heavyweight division. I would not count him out. Uh, I think he can make some waves against that, let's say, five, top 5 to top 10 person uh, in the division. Uh, I think he's a fun addition. I, I really do. Like, uh, I mean, I'd love to see him fight Pavekin. I think that'd be a great fight. Um, yeah. You know, some, something like that. I mean, I, I, I really do. I think he has a lot of tools. He might be a little undersized, but he really can put punches together. I, I, I really enjoy watching him fight. And I think the more fights he has at heavyweight, and like you said, this is now, this was his uh, fifth fight now at heavyweight. Uh, he's going to fill in more to that that frame. He's going to maybe add a little bit more muscle on as he continues to fight at heavyweight, as he continues to maybe face stronger guys and seeing what he needs to tweak as far as his training uh, and his diet goes to make yeah. sure he's in shape to bang with them. But uh, the tools are there. You, you can see it. Oh, yeah. And like you said, you know, that, that next tier below, your Joshua's, your Wilder's, uh, your Furies, and maybe Dylan White I'll throw in there, and Luis Ortiz, you know, he can give trouble to guys like Joseph Parker, uh, to Andy Ruiz, to your Derek Chisora's, and, and so yeah. on and so forth. So, I mean, he could be the guy who can emerge from that crop uh, to be a, you know, be in the title hunt, you know, maybe this time next year. Uh, he's getting close. I think he's getting close. Parker, if I were Pavek, it would be great. Yeah, Parker would be a great fight, too. Uh, Parker Hunter yeah. would be a very good fight. I'd enjoy that. And, um, you know, so, you know, that was good. I enjoyed that card. Uh, uh, another heavyweight prospect, Philip Hergovic, also had a knockout. Wasn't really fighting anybody of note, but he's somebody to keep an eye on moving forward. And then there was the, the Fox card. Um, Ew. Which had an, an interesting – well, I got to be honest with you. I watched two – I watched two, the, the two main fights, and um, you had um, 
Austin Trout against Terrell Gachet, where I actually thought Terrell Gachet, who looked terrible against Arislandi Lara uh, the last time he had a major fight, I thought Gachet did enough to win, and he unfortunately only got a draw in that fight. Uh, Gachet, I thought, landed some really good right hands. He fought with confidence. Uh, it seems against Lara that he just had no idea what he was doing in the ring. Like, he got – it wasn't just outclassed. He got outthought. Like, it was one of those, you know, times where you're like a fighter psychologically beaten. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. he looked good. I thought he looked good on Saturday. I thought Trout came back a little bit at the end. He was kind of crafty. But, you know, Trout is at this point in time where he's still serviceable. He has all the tricks to trade. But, like, he doesn't pull the trigger enough. And – you know, his defense isn't as good as uh, it should be or it once was. So now, you know, what he does is he absorbs punishment and he comes back a little later in fights and, and things like that. Like, he's clearly not what he was. There's so many guys in that division where Trout will still be an opponent for somebody like Erickson Lubin or like Cordell Booker, who was on the undercard of this card and looked very good. Uh, Cordell Booker is like 28, 29. He's worth watching. He looked excellent. But I don't know where either of them go now. I mean, I guess this 154-pound division is loaded. So you have to imagine that Gaucher and Trout will both get other opportunities for big fights. It wasn't a terrible fight to watch, but it, the scoring was poor and the commentating was poor. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so, so be it. You know, it, the, the, the guys fought well enough. It's just um, – you know, Marcos Villegas had a good scorecard. I think he had 97-93. I think either I had that or 96-94. And then you had – let me tell you how fucked the scoring was. You had one judge score at 99-91 for Gaucher, and another mm-hmm. judge had it 96-94 for Trout. Okay? So this is a 10-round fight where you have, according to the judges, you have five swing rounds uh, to go from giving – Trout either one round or giving Trout six rounds. Now, that's pretty whack shit. Uh, I thought Trout may have won three rounds or four at the most. Uh, I don't see him getting to six there. So, it was, was, you know, it's in Mississippi. I don't think some of the judges there are historically strong. Uh, I think one of the judges was having his first professional night ever. Um, And it's just like you see shit like this, and it's unfortunate for the fighters because in today's day and age, you're only – fighting twice a year at best if you're a certain level. So Gaucher, if he gets the win, you know, gets momentum in his career and moves on perhaps to a bigger payday, bigger opportunity. And because he gets a shit verdict, you know, he's really back where he starts in some degree. Um, So again, not a bad fight for an FS1. It was fine. I just, um, it was just, you know, it was just weird. Uh, you know, they have like Ray Mancini and Tony Harrison in the booth. And it's just, you know, there was just like no points of agreement because Harrison's just like box, box, box. And Ray Mancini's like, you have to charge right at him. Like Ray Mancini's like, you can never wait on a Southpaw. You can never box a Southpaw. Like all this shit that because he couldn't do it. You know, it's just, it's just all this like <laughs> stuff. And, and like Tony Harrison's like, no man, you have to box. You have to just skill. It's just, it just was just like a mess. And, uh, yeah. Go ahead. It, 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 it's very weird when they do their, you know, these uh, shows on FS1, you know, and it's, I don't have a problem with them, you know, having a fighter, 
in the booth, you know, with them, you know, especially, in, you know, a PBC guy who may have a fight coming up. It's a good way to help market them and get them on there. But some are better than others on the mic, and I, I think yeah. that's something they have to understand. Uh, and some just – you know, some just really don't need to be there. I thought Tony Harrison actually did a pretty good job. I like this energy uh, and some of the stuff he was saying there on the mic. Um, man, Cindy's awful. Uh, yeah. Whether he's doing on the mic or he's on that the television show yeah. they do, he, I find him to be quite annoying. Um, but I, I would agree that the I commentating hate... there is very inconsistent. And the thing is this, like, you know, one of the things that I liked about George Foreman, and not everybody liked him as a commentator, um, is that not everybody fights like you and you have mm-hmm. to appreciate, you know? And so the problem with Sergio Mora is he likes everybody who runs and boxes away and evades, you know, trouble. And you have a guy like Ray Mancini who like never met a war he didn't like. And that's how they fought. And that's how they commentate. Those are the things they like. Those are the things they're always encouraging fighters to do because that's what they would do. Whereas I think the best, broadcasters in the world, you know, the Emmanuel Stewart's of the world, the foremans, you know, they understand like there are many ways to win a fight. There are many tactics that can work depending on what a fighter is good at and what his opponent, you know, perhaps the weakness at. And so there are very few analysts that kind of can put, take themselves out of their own experience and see it from that, you know, 30,000 foot level, or even just you know, uh, a 10,000 foot level of, you know what, this is what you should do against this fighter. This works best for him. Not like I'm a boxer, so you must box. And frankly, you know, it's getting, um, uh, for me, it is, uh, it it provokes some hostility uh, when I hear it at time after time after time, because I think it really gives the viewers a poor education about the sport. I honestly do. I, I feel like it, you know, there was a responsibility that these broadcast teams have, I believe, to educate the public about boxing. And when they hear such nonsense, like, oh, you can't box a Southpaw. Oh, really? Like, where the fuck does that even come from? You know, it's, it's good, too, because I was very positive earlier in the show. Like, I was very happy. I was bigging up Haney. You know, I was bigging up Michael Hunter, just for the record. But, like, I hear this shit, and I'm like, oh, you can't box a Southpaw. Really? Like, what, what, where is this written? You know, like, where is, where is this scrolled down? You know, is this in the Old Testament? Is this in the New Testament? You know, it's like, where? I don't understand. And, and, and it just comes up with a shit. And the thing is this. The producers are hearing this shit, and they're like, oh, this, that's gold, man. That's great. Or they're like, this guy's a fucking idiot. You know what I mean? Like, either one is not a good answer because – if they think what Ray Mancini is doing is brilliant, well, then that's a real problem. And if they think he's an idiot, like, well, what's he still doing there? And listen, credit to ESPN. They had a situation that was not working with their broadcast team. They fixed it in fairly record time by bringing in Tim Bradley and Andre Ward now together. And that combination works very well together. And you know what? They did some unpopular things. They cleaned house. They got rid of Teddy Atlas. They got rid of Kriegel from the main call. It was not easy. I'm sure they're eating a lot of money doing that. But you know what? It's a much better broadcast now, and it's much fairer to the viewer. They get a much better understanding. And by the way, Ward is one of those guys who fully understands, you know, the different tactics that it takes to win, that not everybody has to fight like Andre Ward. Um, so, you know, shout out to them. But 
when you hear when you hear this kind of crap, it does I think a disservice to the sport. I'm sorry, ran over. Right. <laughs> oh. Is this is this like why I'm kind of here occasionally? I mean, you know, I, I haven't given a good rant. I think it'd been a few months to be to be fair. And like I'm in a very good mood today. I was very very happy about Devin Haney. Very happy about some of the boxing stuff coming. It's just as we were talking about it, and I was just in my mind. I think I had completely uh, hidden those feelings from Saturday listening to Ray Mancini, and all of a sudden they just like bubble up to the surface. I'm like. How does he say this? You know? Anyway, continue. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. We'll move into something that may make you happy. And I mean, at least with this, you can just maybe throw this fight on mute come Saturday. Uh, we finally get Anthony Joshua stepping on U.S. soil and finally fighting. So, I mean, it, it kind of feels like this is a letdown, and the energy doesn't seem to be totally there for this fight. Uh, I think Jarrell Miller would have really helped uh, talk talk it up and kind of got more buzz going. But uh, there's a lot of mainstream media interested in Anthony Joshua. He does own a majority of the world titles here in the heavyweight division. Uh, he is facing a – I wouldn't even really call him a late replacement now in Anthony Ruiz. He's got the fight pretty much on six-plus-week notice. Um, you know, it's finally going down. It's going to be in the zone. A lot of people coming over from the UK. By the sounds of it, the garden should be sold out. I think there was like 1,300 seats or something left last time I heard. Um, are you hyped for Joshua to make his U.S. debut? And do you think he can really make? Um, I, I don't want to use the word cultural impact because that's very big, but you know, do you think he can make an impact on American boxing fans? That same energy he has over in the UK. Do you think at all he can bring that over? Uh, with you know his opening bout here this Saturday. No, um, no, I don't. And um, honestly, how many fighters? How many? Let me put it this way: How many non-Mexican fighters have been able to build an enormous cult-like following in America? I can think of Pacquiao as one in my lifetime. Yes. Uh, I'm trying to think of another, like I'm a Golovkin almost. I mean, I, I, you can make a Borderline. case that, yeah, he, he, he got to that level eventually. Um, no, I, I just don't see it. Uh, Joshua is, you know, he's still going to be fighting some of his fights in the UK. Um, first of all, I'm very excited. He's coming. The opponent wasn't what they wanted. Uh, I'm happy that he's doing the media rounds. The New York Times has done a story on him. He's been doing some TV there. It's good. But the thing is, um, the rest of these heavyweights, with the exception of the other two, you know, he's going to need the right opponents to make people care. It's not enough for him to fight. You know, Canelo took that Mayweather fight. You know, Pacquiao took those fights against Barrera and Morales. You know, you win them, you lose them, you make fans. You know, this is not his fault against Andy Ruiz, but you're not going to become, you're not going to build a rapid following, you know, tearing down number 10 through 15 in the heavyweight division in America. It's not going to happen. You know, he's going to have to fight Wilder or Fury and let the chips fall where they may to get a real following in America. Now, the question is, do they really want that? I don't know, Brandon. Um, they may be okay. You know, he fights here. He does well. He has a knockout. He goes back to the UK. You know, he fights Pulev there in November, December. 
and they get 70,000 people at a stadium and they make their 15, 20, 25 million. I don't know what they really want, to be honest with you. They've, they've all, I think all three of these fighters have had opportunities to fight each other. Talking about Wilder and Fury and Joshua. To this point, we've only had one of them being made. And it doesn't look like a second is going to be made anytime soon. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch. I care. Joshua's a very good fighter. I enjoy it. He has a lot of skills. I love, I love his popularity. I think it's good for the sport. But Andy Ruiz does not move the needle. I'm not going to pretend it is. I'm not talking myself that it's a good fight. It's not. You know, I don't think Ruiz makes it past six rounds. Um, good for him. He's getting the opportunity. Good for PBC letting him go fight Joshua. All those things. But, like, he's not a top-tier opponent. He just isn't. And I'm not going to, like, get all excited about it just because he happens to be fighting in New York. So, you know, you've made your official pick, and you're saying it's not going to go six. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to be called crazy for this. I'm actually picking Andy, Andy Ruiz to win. No, and Brandon, no. Yes, yes, No, yes. don't do that. I, no. I got a sneaky feeling no. on this. Now, he appeared on the show a couple weeks ago or something. No. Andy, Andy Ruiz has not been a guest on the show. If he came a guest on the show, he'd be a shoe in anyone. He'd get the good karma. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I just got a weird feeling. And you know, okay. I love to use the word weird. But yeah. here's my theory on this. Well, okay. We're going to talk a little bit more about you know Deontay Wilder here in a moment, but all right. So this I is your think, unpopular opinion. This is your unpopular yeah, this, opinion yeah, right this, here. This may be the unpopular opinion, opinion segment of the show. <laughs> as well. um, I, I really think you know I'm, it's a couple of different levels of this. One, I think Andy Ruiz, he's taking this seriously. Like he knows that this sure. is his lone opportunity. He may not give an, get another shot like this again in his career. And if you see the way this guy is training, he's taking it seriously. You know, he, he knows that he's he knows he's an underdog. He gets it. He's 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 embracing it, but he also understands that he he's got a puncher's chance. At the end of the day, he's always got a puncher's chance. That in itself makes me kind of like think, okay, give this guy a shot. Why not? But I also think the news coming out this week, you know, kind of out of nowhere that Ortiz Wilder two has now been done. I kind of wonder how much that deflates Anthony Joshua. And I think it's going to be a mental thing there. I think he, you know, is he going to be fully up for this fight? You know, he's already gotten a, a replacement fighter. Deontay Wilder, who he's been talking about this week in his press tour, is who he's focusing on next. Well, that's now out of the window. Um, you know, will he mentally be totally there for this fight come Saturday? Also, the big lights of New York City, like Madison Square Garden, that's, that's, that's the mecca. You know, that has so much history in, in regards to sports and boxing in itself. And not to mention, I always don't like a fighter fighting for the first time in America. I, I never like their chances, although Joshua's been here a couple of weeks to get himself acclimated. I still have a funny feeling about it. Um, don't okay, be shocked let me, if he let me stop you. Let me stop you. Off and knocks him out. <clears throat> let me stop you here. Put, your, put mm -hmm. your fighting hat, put your fighting hat, your fighting analyst hat on. Okay, mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. I hear all the psychological factors, the motivational issues. I got all that. But tell me what happens in the ring. Like, break it down for me in the ring. How do you see that playing out? Like, what what is going to happen that leads to that? Talk, walk me through it. I honestly think Josh will make it kind of sloppy. And if he gets sloppy, I think what's going to happen is Luis is going to time him. He's just going to crack him with overhand right and knock him out or knock him at least down. 
Um, I, I really see that happening. I think Joshua, if he starts off sluggish in any way at the opening bell, we're going to know he's not in it. And I think that's going to be the key component. If he starts off fast and strong, then you know, throw this pick out of the window. But if he seems like he's any sort of lackadaisical at all, he's not in this fight. And if that happens, Ruiz, if Ruiz can weather the early storm, if he can get get through the jab, you know, there's a size differential there. It's a big, big size gap. But if he can get through that and if he can figure out the length and the distance, hell, why not? Uh, we've seen that Joshua can't get hit. We've seen Joshua can't get rocked. You know, these, these have happened. He's gotten knocked down by Klitschko. He got rocked by Dylan White. So we know his, his chin is not invincible. It can take a shot, and he can also go down. Uh, so, again, why not Ruiz at this point? Now, would I put money on this? Probably not. Uh, <laughs> so any of my gamblers listening, yet don't go put money down saying Brandon told you so. But, um, yeah. you know, if I – you know, I, I just got a feeling just something just doesn't seem right. And when things don't seem right, you know, cat, you know, things mess up. And you also know this, Adam, from listening and being a part of the show and watching my tweets. I like chaos. And yeah. we don't know if Ruiz wins this on Saturday, there are so many people whose money is screwed up. But one person whose money won't be screwed up, I want to thank Al Heyman. So yeah. I, it, it – I, I just kind of want to see it because I, I need chaos to happen because we need something to turn so, the heavyweight division on its head. Why not? You know, I need so something Anthony, to happen. So if Anthony Joshua wins, are you then going to pick Tom Schwartz to beat Tyson Fury? I, I'm going to be – I don't know enough about Tom Schwartz to pick him. I mean, Fury should win, but, I mean, this is the same guy who wants to punch himself in the face in a fight. So, I mean, I mean it's, it, it's tough to, to – I mean, on paper, yes. On, on paper, Joshua should win. Joshua should blow out Anthony Ruiz. On paper, uh, Tyson Fury should blow out Schwartz here in a couple of weeks. These things should all happen. That, you know, the logical thinking would have that happening. But I, I just have a feeling that one of these guys is going to get upset. And if you're looking at anyone who may have the best chance – I thought it was Dominic Brazil a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that went out the window fast. Uh, I think out of the last two fights left here amongst these top heavyweights, Andy Ruiz has the better chance out of Tom Schwartz uh, to pull this upset. So I, I still do think some of the, one of these guys are going to get upset. So I'm going to go Ruiz in this case. I didn't go right. Dominic Brazil two weeks ago, but I'm going Andy Ruiz to to pull a an epic upset of all proportions. And uh, we may have Eddie Hearn on suicide watch. Um, he may be a flight risk. Uh, come come this weekend, but I, I really do think we're going to see something. I have something. I have I have Anthony Joshua KO six. I think Andy Ruiz is going to get hit by a ton of jabs, and eventually he's going to be lunging forward, and that left uppercut or the right uppercut is going to be his undoing. So I, I have KO six for Joshua. And I've got Ruiz. I, I, I don't. It's not, he's got to do it quickly. I've got Ruiz KO by four. So, so speaking, again, of speaking of KO6, speaking of KO six, I have another KO six on this card coming up, and that is going to mm-hmm. be Callum Smith against Hassan uh, and Dam uh, for mm-hmm. the, uh, Callum Smith defending his super middleweight title. Um, you know, Hassan and Dam is a very capable middleweight fighter. Obviously, he's a little chinny. Uh, he's been knocked down. I think between the Quillen fight and the Lemieux fight, I think he got knocked down 112 times. So close, I just close. don't think. I just don't think his chin is going to survive as super middleweight against a pretty good puncher in Callum Smith. So 
However evasive Hassan and Don may want to be, he fights in that in-and-out, herky-jerky style. He can get hit. He can get timed. Uh, he's just, you know, Callum Smith is just going to look great. This is going to wind up looking like a, a showcase fight for him, and I have another KO6 in this fight. You see it's I'm just I'm just glad we're seeing Caleb Smith back. Um, you know, I yeah. think a lot of the momentum he had after winning the World Boxing Super Series, uh, it just kind of went out the window. I mean, we're, it, it seems like it's been a year, but it actually hasn't. I mean, that fight was in September of last year, but it seems like it was an awfully long time. And, you know, you're coming back, and this is the, the fight we get. So it's kind of a letdown. But nevertheless, I'm glad he's back out there. And I agree. I mean, Nadam went down a bunch in his losses, and he's even went down to some of his wins. Uh, I don't see Nadam being able to do much here. I think Smith's got a lot of uh, pent-up energy from being out of the ring so long. Um, you're saying six. I doubt it goes four. Uh, it really true. So kind of Nadam's uh, history. But it's good to see Callum Smith back, and he's already saying he wants – uh, Canelo next, so let's hope maybe this can lead to something bigger down the line for him. Yeah, I got a possible upset on this card, which is going to be my man uh, Ray Robinson against uh, very big British prospect Josh Kelly at 147 pounds. And uh, I have no idea why Josh Kelly's team is taking this fight uh, because even if he wins, he's probably going to look like shit. Because Robinson is one of these southpaw neutralizer spoilers, uh, you know, who knows how to fight and, you know, knows how to stink out of fight, quite frankly. So I don't know if I'm going to pick Ray Robinson or I'm going to pick Kelly because he's the A-side and there's so much money invested in his career that he's going to get some, like, dodgy decision on the cards. But I don't even think it's going to be a good fight to watch. I think it might be complete ass. But I think this is... <laughs> But I think it's an interesting one to watch. I don't know why Kelly's team, you know, picked picked Ray Robinson at all. I really don't. And, and it's I know he has a fairly high ranking, uh, but it, it is just one of those fights where you know a fighter suddenly goes in there and like loses confidence, or a fighter forgets. Uh, you know, this is one of those fights where it's, um, uh, you know, for Kelly just somehow get the win, survive in advance, and go through to the next round if it was the NCAA tournament. This could be all sorts of wrong for him. You know, but shout out for Ray Robinson for being able to get a uh, another notable fight. You know, he just came off of a draw in March yeah. uh, against the Mean Machine. It was a majority uh, draw. Uh, that was to be, I think, what a uh, possible, like, uh, mandatory for, uh, for Terrence Crawford. So, yeah. I mean, he's gotten himself another big fight, another uh, notable fight for him. So, yeah. uh, salute to him for that and his team to get that done. Uh, I could see the upset there. And like you also said, I could see this fight being aesthetically horrible to watch. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, it could be a rough night for Kelly. Even if he does pick up the win, he's probably not going to look the sexiest in doing it. Yeah. And so, uh, I don't know. I'll be watching the card. Uh, there'll be a bunch of uh, Eddie Hearns prospects. Uh, Mashroom's prospect down the car. There's a couple guys worth watching, and uh, I hope it goes well. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't wish ill upon any of these guys. I just the posturing and and by the fighters and their teams and and all of the the media nut huggers. You know, I'm, I'm Team Wilder or Team Joshua or Team Fury. It's all bullshit. You know, at a certain point in time, all of them could have done more to make one or two of these fights. And I, that's where I'm at this point. Like, th this guy came after me today saying my narrative of events was wrong with Wilder and Joshua, that 
Joshua always wanted the fight. And, and I'm just like, do you understand? Like, I don't care anymore. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, you might be right. I don't think you're right, but like, you may forget, like, I don't care. It's not happening. At a certain point, like, it's not, it's, I'm way past the point of like, oh, he's 65% to blame and he's only 35% to blame. You know, it's like, I, who cares? They're not getting made at a certain point in time. Any of these teams could have done more for these fights to happen. Am I, am I crazy with that? Like, I don't care no. anymore. I don't give a fuck. You know, make the fight. No, no. Stop pointing it's, fingers. It's, it's matchmaking fatigue. And I think we, we also experienced this. And, and fight fans shouldn't, you know, forget this. We experienced this with Mayweather and Pacquiao. Sure. Uh, we, we kind of experienced that fatigue, and we, you know, we thought we kept on, you know, they would get asked about it. Oh, yeah, I'll fight him. I want to fight him, yada, yada. And then it never happened. They would find another yeah. opponent. And after that fight, they get asked about, you know, the other guy again. So, I mean, it, it, it becomes a fatigue for us to where I, I, I think the market will be there whenever the fight is made. But I think a lot of the energy around it will have died, died down, especially if we're now talking about 2020, it'll happen and not at all this year. It's it's. You know, like you said, the posturing, it's getting annoying, and people are choosing sides when they really have no dog in the fight. I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't care. Like you said, I don't care if the fight gets made. Uh, It would be great for boxing if it did, Uh, but if it doesn't get made, I want to see chaos in return because, you know, they're they're really kind of jerking boxing fans around with these matchups we're getting and the the reasoning they're giving for the fights not being made. None of it makes any sense. Uh, to me, at least it doesn't. But you, what do I know? I'm not a multimillionaire boxer or a promoter. So, but it is. It's, it's flat out fatigue. Can I give you one conspiracy theory though? Just if I was on my site, I would give myself Antonio Tarver points because when anybody <laughs> speaks about like unprovable conspiracies, uh, like Antonio <laughs> oh, Tarver when he was poisoned against Bernard Hopkins and that's why he lost. So I give people I give people Tarver points when they say so I'm going to give myself Tarver points. How about this? Okay. All right. So Deontay Wilder gets into this meeting with John Skipper and DeZone, and they said, we're going to offer you $100 million for three fights. Al Heyman says, ah, that's fucking Floyd valet money. He wipes his ass with that bullshit. Ah, stay with us. You know, we'll give you more money, whatever. And so suddenly uh, – Deontay Wilder goes from making $12.5 million on Showtime to rumored $20 million on Showtime. Who pays for that? We have no idea. Who, who, you know, the fight doesn't generate that in terms of ratings or gate. So somebody's paying the $20 million. So the Tarver points are, as a result for coming up with the money to pay Wilder, whether it's Showtime or CBS or some entity, Steven Espinoza gets Wilder's next fight as well on Showtime against Luis Ortiz or Showtime pay-per-view. It, it's something, man. Some, something's there is, is grease in the wheel there because a lot of it is just not making a lot of sense because it just doesn't. Why not wait? Why, like, why not wait this week to see what the fuck happens? You know, maybe Joshua yeah. does get hit by one of the shots by reason goes down. Maybe he looks like ass. You know, maybe I, I, that's the part that I don't get the most about this announcement. For for you guys not picking up what we're saying, Ortiz Wilder two got announced by Deontay Wilder via his uh, social media here yesterday. The timing of this seems so strange, especially for a fight, Adam. That's not going to get 
Uh, not going to happen until what I'm hearing is maybe the last Saturday of September. Why yeah. are you announcing a fight the last Saturday of September in May? Like, we have yeah. literally three full months in between yeah. there. Um, none, none of that makes any sense to me. Something, something, I don't know if this is a smokescreen or well, something why my, else. That's why my conspiracy theory is as part of the condition of keeping, of paying Wilder the money to stay in the PBC world, Steven Espinosa gets two fights. Maybe he gets the third fight. Maybe he gets the Konaki fight as well. Maybe he gets all three. I mean, maybe that was part of the deal. You know, it's like, fine. You want your money? You want your $60 million or $50 million, whatever you're going to think you're going to make on these three fights? You're fighting for Showtime or some Showtime, you know, body or entity. Because otherwise, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, I can't even understand the Ortiz fight because the first one was close. How the fuck are they going to sell the Konaki fight? I mean, what possible angle could they have for that fight? You know, oh, like, oh, he's a blubbering mess, but, like, if you stand right in front of him, like, like you might get hurt. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, Wilder has, like, a nine-inch reach advantage on him, but if Wilder, like, trips and falls right in front of him and lands right in his glove, he can hurt. Like, I don't even know what they're going to do, and he's supposedly guaranteed, you know, this fight. It's just, it's beyond weird. It's, it's shady. Um, again, I don't, I care and I don't care. It's just, it's just weird to me. And ultimately it doesn't help the sport. The only person that's, no. this really helps. Maybe it helps Wilder's bottom line, but probably not. It probably helps, you know, Espinoza or Heyman, whatever, but it's not, it's not helping the sport. I mean, that's, that's the bad thing is like, we lose, you know, the, the fans of the sport loses the people that care about boxing. They're the ones that lose with all this bullshit. Well, especially, Adam, given the fact of w- literally what Deontay Wilder said not even two weeks ago at the end of his fight uh, with Dominic Brazil. You know, the fight is, you know, we're, both sides need to get together. We're going to get the fight together, you know. Uh, we just ask everybody to be patient. And then all right, of a sudden, right, right. you know, it's like it, it totally it totally flips to where it's now part two of him versus Ortiz. And I'm saying the controversy, you know, it was no controversy. You, you knocked him out. Yes, you might have gotten saved by the bell, but you ended up knocking him out. So I found no controversy there, at least on my side. Um, I, I, I question everything, and this is one of those things to where I don't believe this fight is going to happen until literally it happens. There's more to this yeah. than I think we're being led on to. So you know, I'll tell boxing fans this. Don't hold your breath about being a fight that's being a done deal. Don't worry about whatever reports you may get from – uh, from cop, you know, whatever he tweets out there, whatever else. Until this fight actually happens, don't believe it because something, something's not right. Something's not, something ain't adding up. That this just miraculously just happens out of nowhere after Deontay Wilder said all this post fight literally ten days ago. Just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And uh, but unfortunately, that's the sport we're in now. And. Um, you know, too many people find excuses not to make big fights. And, and you know, but we know this. It's just, you know, it will be frustrating. You know, we talked about Devin Haney to Femi Lopez. And on one hand, you know, we don't want them to fight because we'd rather have them fight when they're both champions or when they're both among the best of the sport. But on the other hand, because they're ones on the zone and ones on ESPN, that fight's not going to be made in five years anyway. You know, there's no, yeah. like, there's no... The thing is, th- these people don't want to work together unless they have to. There's no uh, eagerness to make big fights 
you know, to, to step out unless they have to. And that's the problem. Like, nope, there are very few people. They're all worried about their own fiefdoms. And I don't know what it is they're worrying. The, the shrinking ratings pool, the, the tens of thousands of streamers, which isn't really a big fucking deal. You know, it's like whatever, whatever they think they're into. Meanwhile, they wind up cannibalizing the sport. I mean, look at last weekend. You had three different cards going up against each other. Not even double programming. You're talking about triple counter programming. It's like a boxing fan can't literally watch everything. And no. so, oh, yeah, we tape it, we stream it. But we all know that part of the, the allure of watching live boxing is the live part. You know, and mm-hmm. yes, if, if you tape it, fine. You watch it the next morning. If you hear it's a good fight or it's a crazy knockout. But if, but if you hear that fight sucks, you're not watching it the next day. You know, you're nope. not, you're, you're it's just, you just erase it from your DVR. And the problem is that that's what's happening now. There's, there's so much content and nobody's working together. The quality isn't there. And, you know, it's not a positive environment from a long-term perspective. I'm not wishing anybody ill. I'm not wanting one person to fail or the other. I just think people are losing the trees through the forest here. They are losing uh, the forest to the trees. They're losing the bigger picture, and that is to make fights that fans care about. It's not Team Anthony Joshua. We want to see Joshua against Wilder or Fury. That's what's captivating, not Fury against an undermatched opponent. You know, so overmatched, whatever. I've had whiskey, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying, you know. Yeah, it's 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 a shame. I mean, we we were used to the counter programming. We you know it's sometimes we have a fight on it on HBO and a fight on Showtime at the same time. Okay, whatever. But like you said, you know now you have you know multiple networks, multiple streaming services all going on at once. We'll experience that again here this weekend. There's a fight on Fox Sports One as the card on the zone is going on. Right. I mean, we right. we're going to experience it yet again this weekend. Uh, the Fox Sports One card is actually kind of decent. You know, it's got some decent names involved. Uh, Hugo Centeno versus Willie Monroe. Um, that's going to be in the middleweight division. And then the, the main event is actually Devin Alexander versus Ivan Rychek. Um Weird fight here now between Alexander and, and Rychek. They both need to win desperately. They both had a, yeah. uh, uh, some very up-and-down years here recently. Um, but they're both trained by future Hall of Famers. Which yeah. I don't think a lot of people are picking up on. Uh, you're going to have Devin Alexander, who's currently being trained by Roy Jones Jr., and Ivan's trained by Shane Mosley, which yeah. very much threw me for a loop. Uh, I didn't know Mosley had been working with him, but Mosley is working with him uh, for this fight. Um, you know, like I said, man, this is a desperate fight for both guys. They they go both got to go out. And they got to really kind of go go out guns blazing. Uh, I don't think a win, you know, via unanimous decision is going to help out either. And their career, they got to do something spectacular to kind of get some juice back behind their name. Uh, if not, you know, they're just going to be another opponent uh, down the line for the fighters here in the uh, welterweight division for PBC. Uh, you know, anything about this card intrigue you or about that matchup? The problem, I mean, both of these are completely legitimate matchups. You know, the problem is that if Devin Alexander or Willie Monroe are doing very well, the fights are not going to be fun to watch. So, you know, Hugo Centeno is one of those, you know, Mexican style comes forward, good left hook, you know, wants to brawl, uh, you know, has a nice right hand, has some boxing skill, but really, you know, is, uh, 
you know, he, he was a decent answer. I don't want to say he has no skill, but he wasn't, I don't think he's a Devin Alexander, uh, for instance, style or, or Willie Monroe, I think is more skilled. Um, so if Willie Monroe is doing his thing, he's completely neutralizing Hugo Centeno and that's going to be shit to watch. And if Devin Alexander is doing his thing, he's just going to like jab and circle around Ivan Redcatch all night. And that's not going to be that fun to watch either. So uh, these fights are only fun if those two Monroe and Alexander aren't at the top of their game. And then you might see some interesting uh, action round around. I, you know what? I, I'm not going to, I don't plan on watching this card, but I certainly will tape it. And if something of interest happens, I will catch it, but uh, you know, I don't begrudge it. So be it. These guys need to earn a living. It's not a pay-per-view it's on FS one. Uh, you know, so be it. It's okay. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like you. I may actually end up missing all of the, the streaming cards in the Fox Sports 1 card here uh, Saturday. While I, I actually like uh, I, I like Alexander to win, and I also like Centeno to win in their respective bouts. But there's actually boxing here in Kansas City on Saturday. So oh, yeah. I actually may, yeah. may go watch that live. I, I, it's in a skeptical part of town. I will openly admit that. Um, let me go catch it live. Uh, one downer is, though, you know, with Shane Mosley actually training Ivan Rychek, he's not going to be in the city. Uh, his son, Shane Mosley Jr., is the uh, one of the headliners uh, for the card, which is very random uh, that he is headlining a card in Kansas City out of all places. Go figure. Um, so if Shane Mosley's not here, I'm kind of skeptical and not wanting to go because I want to meet Shane, but eh, I may still go. <laughs> I'm horrible. <laughs> Who's who's putting the card together locally there? You know who who's um, behind it? it? It's actually a, a gentleman by the name of Joe Kelly. Now Joe Kelly actually put on boxing promotions here before in Kansas City, but he actually made his claim to fame um, with MMA. He, yeah. he, also, he he's openly said he made more money doing boxing than did MMA. Uh, he owned a promotion known as Titan Fighting Championship. He, he later sold them out. Uh, that promotion is going on doing this thing down in Florida. Uh, but you know he put on a lot of local cards here. Stopped for a stretch, and now he's back. I think it's been about five or six years since he's done anything uh, here in the city. So it is interesting that you know we're getting fights here in the city. Uh, hopefully this can lead to something bigger and more, maybe even a streaming service or this being on maybe UFC Fight Pass. But, you know, I- I'm glad that we're getting something here. Uh, sure. The buzz in the city is not that big for it, but, you know, that could change. Um, I-, I hope it does yeah. well. I hope people come out and do definitely support Are there, the product. Uh... Are there uh, are there some live or some young prospects on the card? Anybody uh, up and coming worth checking out? Um, there's a a few young fighters here on the card. Uh, they've got a Deshaun Panther. Uh, you know, I think he's he's got an amateur record here. But really beyond that, uh, not anything that's really jumping out. Um, you know, amateur wise, it really sticks out. Uh, another selling point that they are having with this fight card is James McKenzie Morrison. Uh, who is a, uh, I'll just say allegedly a child of the late Tommy Morrison. I don't know how true it is, whatever, don't care. Uh, but that's one of the <laughs> selling points. You know, he's using the Morrison last name uh, to gain his boxing fame. Uh, he's a fighter 14-0 and with two draws. Uh, if you look at him, oh, well, hell, I'm looking at his picture here on BoxRec. Yeah, he looks just like Tommy Morrison. So I think that would be tough to say that's not his kid. <laughs> Literally yeah. looks like Tommy might have spit him out. But, uh, you know, he's a... Um, He's a heavyweight, obviously down from Oklahoma. He, he's nothing really notable on his record. 
Uh, but he's a guy that they're kind of using as a selling point here for this card here this weekend. So, like I said, I mean, it's not much going on here in the city. There may be something worth checking out. Uh, and, yeah. You know, the only way we're going to get better things here is by people coming out and supporting it. And, li- and you know, live boxing is fun, and, and you, you meet people at the fights. And, uh, you know, especially when you don't have a lot. I mean, I'm spoiled here in Philadelphia. I mean, we have the club scene is very healthy. You know, we have three different or even four different promoters coming between King's King's promotions and hard hitting promotions. And, you know, what Michelle's doing with raging babe and what Russell does with pelt boxing, we're having club fights, you know, at least once or twice a month now. And so it's very healthy and I don't go to all of them, but I do go to some of them. And, um, uh, I like that it's there and Philadelphia is a very great city for club fights, but if there was nothing, and suddenly there was boxing for the first time in two or three years. Yeah, I'd be going too. So, yeah. you know, I take, I take it for granted. And, and, and boxing can be great at the club level. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, there's never a bad seat. And you can smell the sweat. And, you know, it's, it's fun. It really is. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you know, it's important. As, you know, we, we always say, you know, support your local fighter. And, I mean, this is the epitome of that. We got to go out and we got to support uh, because if I ever want bigger and better fight cards here in Kansas City, it, it starts at this level. It starts by showing yeah. that we will come out, we will support, we will uh, pay our, yeah. our hard-earned money to watch the fight. So you know it what, is what it is. So. You know what's crazy? They always um, there's a I believe there's a Twitter account named Brooklyn Brawler, and he publishes all these ratings information uh, after the big broadcast fights on Fox or Showtime. You know he'll publish it the next night, the overnight ratings. And without a doubt, Brandon, I'm not lying to you. Kansas City is always in the top ten for boxing for TV ratings in the in the markets. Like it's New Orleans, it's Kansas City, it's Memphis. Like Kansas City is always there, always. There are boxing fans in that city. I mean, the, the ratings prove it. They are there. And and I mean, really, what a lot of people don't realize, and because uh, you don't have a lot of names that pop off, you know, here here uh, out of the city, but. We do have a very rich uh, amateur uh, boxing here. A lot of the tournaments are here. So, I mean, people come out and even support those. So, I mean, it's it's here in the city. It's one of those things, if yeah. you build it, they will come. If it's it, And something else, and, and this is something, you know, you, we definitely see because we know people in the industry. If you promote it correctly, they will come. And that's yeah. the key part of it. You can't just put the product out and be like, here you go. You got to tell people about it. You got to promote it. Uh, you got to push it. And you got to push it the correct way for people to be engaged with it and be intrigued with it to come out and see it. And I, I think that's something in time we may, you know, we, we Joe Kelly may hopefully do. Uh, you know, this is first show in a long time. So, you know, I'll, I'll cut him a little bit of slack there. But definitely think, you know, if you promote it and push it correctly, the people will come out, they'll support it. And, you yeah. know, and bigger things will come after that. But, yeah, I, I, like I said, man, it, we haven't had it here in a long time. So we've had a couple, I mean, years and years ago, we had um, Friday Night Fights would be up at the casinos uh, up in North Kansas City. But nothing really since then of note uh, from boxing here in Kansas City. So I'm looking forward to Saturday's card. Yeah. Well, I hope it, uh, if you wind up going, I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I hope they're better things to come in Kansas city. I mean, it's, it's a good city. There's, there's uh there are a lot of fans out there. So I want it to succeed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, it seems like we pretty much touched on everything we want to note on note of, of tonight. Wow. And I haven't even started drinking yet. Still getting tongue tied. Um, you know, what else is on your mind here in boxing that, uh, 
maybe it's grind your gears the wrong way here in the recent weeks. Well, I got a um, uh, an interesting fight was announced today between Joe Joyce and Brian Jennings. Um, Joe Joyce is that heavyweight Olympian from England who looks like he moves and punches underwater. Mm-hmm. Um, but Brian Jennings is obviously a former title contender, uh, t- t- title challenger. He lost his last fight to Oscar Rivas and knocked out in the last round. He's going to be going over to England in July. I think that if Brian Jennings is in shape and, you know, recovered, I think that's a great fight for him. I really do. I know all the English people think that, you know, Joyce's power is just too much, but like Jennings, you know, that's a, that's a decent style for him. I mean, that's, that's Joey Dueco who he fought, you know, uh, last year. I mean, it's the same style. I mean, you know, just don't stand in front of it. Move around. You're going to do okay. You don't have to, like, land anything hard. Just jab. Jab to the body. Move. Land a right hand every now and then. Like, you don't have to, like, look amazing. You just have to, like, land and not get hit, and you'll be okay. I, I, it's one of those other, like, it's a bold, it's bold matchmaking. And sometimes these things work out. And, you know, if, if Joe Joyce can knock out Brian Jennings, that is a statement. That's impressive. But, um uh, I think that's a really tough matchup for Joe Joyce. I really do. So credit to his people for making it. But, man, I like Jennings in that fight. I really do. I mean, it's a big step up for him. And, you know, I've I've trashed Joe Joyce all year. Uh, Just his performances. And I I just said he's just just not it. You know, whatever they're seeing in him, I don't see. Um, But I would agree that this is a huge step up for him. Uh, This is better than Bermain Stavern. Sure. So I'm hoping Jennings is in shape. And uh, this is, you know, in theory, this is a real 50-50 fight. This is a pick and fight. Uh, an in-shape Jennings could definitely give Joe Joyce some problems. We'll be able to see if Joe Joyce actually has a uh, legitimate chin because, you know, Jennings can pop. He doesn't have overwhelming power, but he can pop. Uh, and Joyce is going to know he's getting hit. So uh, I, I like this fight. I'm, I'm glad he's stepping up. This is also going to be the same card as Nathan Gorman versus Dylan Dubois. Uh, right. So, I mean, we've got four good heavyweights fighting You've got two prospects facing off against each other, and then you have one who's looking to go from prospect to contender and a, a former contender looking to stay relevant. So, I mean, four guys who have a lot to gain in victories and a lot to lose uh, in defeat. So, you know, shout out to everyone who helped make that car come together, but I'm looking forward to that here in July. Um, what else? Um, no, I, I mean, we had a, a lot of fun. Those, those World Boxing Super Series cards were a lot of fun. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the uh, the monster performance a couple weekends ago, and uh, uh, you know it, it's uh, Josh Taylor. I thought looked wonderful against Baranchek, and uh, that's a great fight with Progress coming up. I mean, you know there are there are some good fights coming up, and we we do bitch about it because we want more. But you know there there are some things that are that are really good, and. Uh, I can't say. I mean, listen, we we hit we hit the heavyweight frustration, you know, the the, the frustration with the the streaming services or these different teams right now being uh, unwilling to work with each other, and you know, and I guess we literally, uh, honestly, we literally could work on that every month or every month we could talk about that. But at a certain mm-hmm. point, what's the point? Um, we have to talk about the fights that are relevant and interesting and crowd pleasing. I mean. I'll put it to you this way. Like, you know, I vote for my, I, I subscribe to the zone, but I'm also voting as a consumer. 
Am I making the trip to go up to see Anthony Joshua against Ruiz? No, I'm not. Was I going to go if it was Big Baby Miller? No, I wasn't. Why? Because I don't think it's that great of a fight, either of them. And so what happens is, you know, am I going to travel to see Tyson Fury against Tom Schwartz? I'm not. And uh, so I think that's – I'm not saying I'm not watching these. I'm not saying boycott. But as consumers, we all make choices, you know. There's going to be a lot of people who probably won't buy Wilder Ortiz if it's a pay-per-view. And I don't blame them. I mean, it, it could be a good fight, and so be it. But, you know, that's how, you know, and these people aren't saying ban the sport. But as consumers, you know, maybe we do a little less. Maybe we don't stay home that Saturday night, or maybe we don't travel to see a fight, or we don't buy the pay-per-view. I mean, there are things that people could do if they have displeasure, and, and that's perfectly fine. I'm not here saying boxing shit and another black eye for boxing and blah, blah, blah. I mean, yeah, some of that is true, but there is good stuff in the sport. And for the things that are happening that we're not thrilled about, yeah, you know, there, we could take matters in our own hands as consumers, and there's no problem with that. Agreed. And we also have to look at this bright side. We've had, I think now, maybe two months of no Adrian Broner incident. So boxing is actually not that bad of a shape, folks. Just always keep that in mind. Anytime we don't hear A.B. getting in trouble, we're in good shape. Got to always look at the glass being half full, people. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm looking at the June schedule coming up, and um, there's a lot of fights that I don't think are very competitive, Uh, you know, with Joshua Ruiz being one of them. And I know you'll disagree with me. That's fine, Uh, which is perfectly good. And literally, I think I only like two fights. I mean, Part of me thinks that Warrington Kid Galahad fight's going to be interesting in June 15th. Uh, I like that fight. Um, you know, kind of uh, the, the, the cruiserweight super series, world boxing super series, I guess will be okay. You know, brightest Glowacki. I can't say I'm overly excited, but I'll watch that. That could be interesting. Um, I don't know. I just don't. Um, you know, it's okay. I like the Andrew uh, Cancio Alberto Machado rematch at 130 pounds. Uh, I like that. That's going to be in the zone on the 21st. And I also like the uh, rematch between Harrison and Charlo. I think that's probably, in my opinion, the best fight of the month. And uh, but you know, it's not it's not a uh, it's not an amazing month, and so be it. Um, and ho- and hopefully it gets better. But there's a lot of there was a lot of filler fights in this month, to be fair. Yeah, I, one fight that did get announced today that is kind of intriguing to me, Jesse Hart versus Southern Barrera. Uh, that's I like now it. a light yeah. heavyweight. Yeah, with Hart moving up in weight, you know, I I, I, I thought it was kind of interesting that he's actually moving up in weight. I mean, uh, I talked to him here uh, before the, the second fight uh, with Gilberto Ramirez. You know, he says he wasn't having any issues making weight. I'm thinking, you know, after the second loss to Ramirez – Maybe he would stick around, maybe fight for the vacant title, get the belt, but instead he's going to move up in weights, which is going to make his uh, you know, title chances get delayed a little bit longer. Um, I don't know if I like him in light heavyweight. I, I don't know. Um, Barrera's a really good you know, starting point for him. We're going to see yeah. if, you know, if he's real, if he's fake uh, here at 175. So, I mean, credit to him for jumping right into the deep water and facing a, a very legitimate fighter. Uh, and credit for yeah. top rank for signing Sullivan Barrera after he was a free agent. Uh, leaving main event, so yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think that's actually a pretty good fight. It's a good fight because um, 
the winner becomes more credible. I mean, that's exactly what you want to do. There's a good name for either of them. Um, Jesse Hart didn't win either of those Ramirez fights, but we both know how close he was. And mm-hmm. I think what, I think one argument that you can make that might help Hart's transition to light heavyweight is that it doesn't seem like he had the motor to fight 12 rounds at, at the pace at 168. And so maybe as the guys get bigger and there aren't throwing as many punches, um, that might be a little easier for him. You know, they, they just, you know, especially in that second fight. In the first fight, I, I thought Ramirez was clearly better uh, until the end uh, when, when Hart trapped in. In that second fight, I thought, you know, Ramirez squeaked by and he was just a little better. There were just a few more rounds where he had that extra gear. And it wasn't that Hart didn't belong in that fight. And there were many points in the fight where he was better. I just don't think he had the conditioning. Or maybe he did have trouble making weight. He just didn't seem to be... He didn't seem to be like a full 12-round fighter at 168. And maybe he can be at 175. We'll see. I mean, that, that should be interesting. But I'm looking forward to that. Another fight... That was announced, not not a fight announced, but a return announced, Adam, okay? I, and I'm not going to lie, man. I, if, if I can b- get the money together, I, I may have to fly up to go see this. My man, Chad Dawson, he's coming no. back. Uh-huh. June 29th, Foxwoods Resort Casino. He's back in action. Um, he's trying, man. He, I, I, you know, I made a bold prediction. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> when did I make this? This was maybe 20. 2014 or 2015, Ryan Bivens. Shout out to Ryan Bivens. He may be able to tell us exactly when I made this prediction because I did it on, a, on the old podcast, The Ruckus, with G. Andrew LaBeouf and Ryan and Ishmael Dul-Salam, um, that I said Chad Dawson would once again be king at 175. That has not happened. And, no. Um, to say. I, 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 don't, I can't say that I've lost the faith. I honestly thought he was retired. Uh, he hasn't fought now in two years. Last time we saw him in ring was March yeah. of 2017. It's against Andre Yeah, he got knocked out. I was at that fight. Yeah. And um, you know, go, I hope. Let it go. I hope that he can. <laughs> I hope that he has all of his bearings and he can he can do great things. But Brad, yeah. Roy, Roy Jones isn't going to win another title either. I don't know when you realized that. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was earlier this year. It's not happening for Roy Jones either. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it it just seems you know you know I I wish him the best, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I I mean, if I have a way of tuning in, I'll definitely watch and support. Uh, you know, Chad Dawson's been a guy I've always been a fan of. Um, he's now literally since he's active, he's literally one of the last of my guys that I cheered for really prior to really getting knee deep into this boxing media stuff. It was him. It was Cotto. It was Victor Chidian. Those are the three guys that I watched yep. and I rode for ride or die. Uh, Darchinian started getting knocked out brutally. Uh, Cotto, you know, just finally retired. And, you know, Dawson's now still kind of lingering around there. So uh, it's tough. It's tough. Um, you, you don't want to see him get hurt, uh, but you also want to see the great things. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what happens here uh, come next month. No, next month here at Foxwoods uh, Casino Resort. I want to, um, I want to highlight – I have an article up on my website, uh, SaturdayNightBoxing.com. It's just, you know, a little stock report about some of the fighters who uh, did well over the weekend and uh, some who didn't. But there is one fighter that I want to kind of talk about that very few people have seen. 
and he's 180, 108 pounds light flyweight titleist out of Venezuela named Carlos Canizales. And uh, he's ranked by the top three or top four by his belt uh, by both the ring and the transnational boxing racking board. He, he's an excellent fighter. And uh, he fought uh, a former flyweight champion, Sho Kimura, this, uh, this Saturday, or this Sunday, actually, in China. <clears throat> and Canizales made Kimura look like a complete amateur. He's a really good fighter, and the shame of the lower weight guys like this is that they have so many, they have so few opportunities to be seen. You know, their fights are in Japan, or they're in Mexico, or they're in the Philippines, or they're in Guatemala. Uh, there are very few opportunities where people in America can actually see their cards, and uh, this one luckily was on a Golden Boy Facebook stream. I don't know why that was, but so be it, and it worked out. And, uh, you know, some, some of these lower weight fighters uh, are really excellent guys and, and we just don't get a chance to see them. And, and even as somebody who, and you're, you're on the rankings board with me, you know, we try and see all these fighters as best and as much as we can, but let's be honest, like you sometimes can't, there aren't live feeds, there aren't streams, you know, there aren't things available. And I just wanted to bring this out that, you know, I thought, I thought he was, he looked exceptional and I have no idea when the next time we'll get a chance to see him and, if he'll be able to fight to that style and to that level. But I was just really impressed. And uh, I just wanted to say that shout out to him. Wonderful performance. Yeah, and, and like you said, no shameless plug here, Saturday night, You do have your stock report there. So listeners go check that out. As always, Adam does a great job with writing. I'm slowly getting back into it, but Adam does a far better job than me. Trust me. Read his article, SaturdayNightBoxing.com. Again, shameless plug, but not shameless because of solid stuff there. Yeah. But other than that, you know, um, all good from here. Uh, thank you for, for having me on as usual, and uh, I look forward to, uh, to our next show together. So thank you, sir. Well, as always, man, I, I appreciate you having me on. No, you having, having me on. Wow. You coming on. <laughs> People can't tell. I'm a little bit sleep deprived. I'm a little bit out of it this week. Uh, Like like I said, crazy storms here in the Midwest here yesterday. For those who haven't seen the news, wasn't that far actually from me, like maybe 10 miles out. Uh, So, yeah, weird times over here yesterday. So a little bit, you know, sleep deprived, a little bit out of it. But I'm here for the people. Um, You know, I hope Twitter doesn't shame me on Saturday uh, after Anthony Joshua, you know, flattens. Uh, Andy, Andy Ruiz, but I'm sticking to that. Um, you know, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. You know, if I if I don't watch it live and I have to hear it via Twitter, I'll I'll hear it. I'll understand it. And I'll own up to my mistakes on next week's show. Uh, but nevertheless, I am sticking with my upset pick. Uh, with that being stated, make sure you follow me on Twitter and shame me on Saturday night. Uh, Brandon P2TF, uh, and as well as PunchTheFace.com. Adam, you can follow him at, on Twitter, SN Boxing, and as well as SaturdayNightBoxing.com. Facebook group is Saturday Night Boxing. Was it was it Saturday Night Boxing or SN Boxing? S- yeah, SN. Yeah, SN. At, yeah. SN Boxing on Facebook is the group. Uh, come talk boxing with us. Uh, and, and Adam, man, you, you already know what it is. You're always welcome here back to the show. Um, okay. You know, you'll be back with us here to talk more. Big fights here come next month as we look forward to, uh, you, know, the, the, you know, what could be the new landscape. Uh, of heavyweight, yep. if if Ruiz pulls off an upset or somehow Schwartz does something in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. We'll see what actually happens. 
what develops. But, um, you know, it's fun times, man. As boxing fans, at least we have something to watch. It may not be what we want, but it's at least something. We got to take what we can get uh, because we had some very harsh times there for a couple years stretches where we're getting complete garbage. Now it's just semi garbage. (laughs) Right. There's some good, you know, there really is. I think, um, yeah, I, I just hope we get another big mega fight later on in the year. And uh, it's it's the big fights. The sport needs them. And, and I know sometimes there's shit shows or circuses, but um, it, it makes the sport go round. It helps bring the money into the sport. That money then gets funneled back into, you know, network contracts, fighters, you know, other things like that. It, it, it really, it's the oxygen and the lifeblood for the sport. Um, you know, there's, there's the big... Uh, mega fight and then the club level. So both those things need to be, you know, going well if for boxing to thrive. You need mega fights and you need the club fights to be doing well. So um, we need some more mega fights. So I hope they happen sooner than later. Absolutely. Well, I guess that's the show, folks. I mean, no one called okay. in, which is kind of weird. Like no one calls in anymore. Guess we scare them. I don't know. Um, or it's but, like uh, it's, but again, so, it's so engrossing. That they're like, why do I want to break this up? You know, it's like I see I, the people. I know, I know the people who are listening. I see the numbers, blah blah blah. So like, you know what? This is really engrossing. Let's let we just have these two people let's talk. Just, and so be, let's just have them rant. That's fine. I'm fine. <laughs> anyway, thank you, sir. Well, as, well. as always, Adam, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, everyone, uh, as I say every week, uh, everyone, stay safe, stay blessed, love one another. That's the only way we're going to get through this. Uh, shame me on Twitter all weekend if Ruiz gets knocked out. Uh, until next Wednesday, I'm Brandon Stubbs, and I am out. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.